Hello and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. I'm Mark Combs, and today on the show, we are kicking off a brand new series through the book of Revelation. It's called Revelation, the Beginning of All Things. And so this is the first sermon in what will be a 12-part sermon series. And today we are talking about the rules of Revelation. Stick around after the sermon. We've got a few more things to share with you and pass on. But for now, let's dive right in. All right, well, today we are kicking off a brand new series, Book of Revelation. Go ahead and open it up, Revelation 1. You got a Bible on you, you got one on your phone, go ahead and open up your Bible, turn it on to Revelation chapter 1 is where we're going to be. It's where we're going to start today. We are beginning a, a series through the book of Revelation, and... Um, and that's why, there's, that's why there's doors on stage. In a couple of weeks, you're going to see there's doors up here. Uh, Joey Johnson, uh, who decorated for VBS, him and his friend James did this, and it was great. He asked a couple of weeks ago, hey, we'd like to start doing backdrops for your series. What do you want for the Revelation series? And I said, I'm going to need a beast with seven heads and seven hordes coming out of the sea, so I'll need that in three weeks. So we have a set of doors on stage. And so um, why are there doors on stage, and why is there a door in the logo? You'll see why in two weeks. And so... Um, but we're in the book of Revelation. Why in the world would you pick a book like this to go through? And, and here's the deal. This is not like a four-week series where we kind of hit the highlights. We're going to take the rest of the year to do this book. This is going to take us 12 weeks to go through. All right? So we will, uh, we will finish this series the Sunday before Christmas. Merry Christmas. And so, uh, so it's 12 weeks long. Why in the world would you go through a book like this? And honestly, the answer is really simple. Because the church needs the message of the book of Revelation. And, and not just the church worldwide, but listen, Summit, we need the message of the book of Revelation. You and I, this church, Summit, needs the message of Revelation. And here's the deal. When you come to this book in particular, everybody comes with expectations and baggage. And so maybe your expectations for the book of Revelation are maybe the baggage that you bring. When you think about this book, you think of the Left Behind series. Does anybody remember or know what I'm talking about when I say, okay, so a lot of you are looking at me like I have no idea. That's great. I'm glad you're here. The Left Behind series was a really crazy popular series of books about the end times several years ago. Several years ago, those books came out. They made a movie about it with the Brad Pitt of Christian movies, Kirk Cameron. And so they made a movie. And then Hollywood would saw that, oh wait, look, people pay money to see those movies. And then so they made a mainstream version of Left Behind with Nicolas Cage, Ghost Rider. I've never seen it, but it has to be awesome if Nick Cage is in it. And so, so maybe that's what you think though. Oh my gosh, we're going to do all the Left Behind stuff. And so maybe that's your expectation. Or maybe your expectation is, listen, this freaks me out. Why in the world would we go through this book? This book confuses me. I hear this stuff all the time. This book confuses me. It makes no sense. It scares me, so I never read it. Why in the world would we do this? And, and for 12 weeks, what are we doing here? 
Or maybe on the opposite end of that spectrum, you're like, you're like, this is Christmas morning. All you think about is the book of Revelation. And so you have been like fired up since last Sunday, and you are ready to dive in to the Antichrist. You're ready to dive in to the mark of the beast, and you're like, let's do this and let's go, you know. And so wherever you are on that spectrum, whatever your expectation is, as we begin this series, and for all of the series, I just want to quote the famous theologian Luke Skywalker and say this is not going to go the way that you think. This series is probably, no matter where you are on that spectrum, this series is probably not going to go the way that you think. What do you mean? Let's go. Revelation 1 to 3. Let's do it. Here we go. The revelation from or of Jesus, your Bible might say, from Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Watch verse 3 again. This is not going to go the way you think. Look at verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Did you hear that? See, this is not going to go the way you think. You are blessed if you read this book and take its message to heart and do what it says. So, so not avoid it because it's confusing or weird or scary, but we're blessed to have this book and to begin to live it out. So there is something in this book that God wants you and I to have that we need to have so that we can walk faithfully with Jesus in the world today, but we won't have it if we avoid it. And, and, and the enemy, or as he's going to be called in this book, the dragon, the beast, he has done a great job of getting the church to avoid this book. Confusion, fear, speculation, and so we just avoid it outright. You're blessed if you do it, though. Not just read it and hear it. You're blessed if you do what this book says. And so, so Revelation is a book that we need to dive into. But here's the deal, and this is what we're doing this morning. When it comes to the book of Revelation... There are rules that we need to play by if we're going to actually understand what God is showing us. If we're going to actually understand what God is saying to us in this book, I mean, there are a lot of crazy things that we're going to talk about. If we're going to understand and hear, we just did the listening series, what God is saying to us, there are some rules we got to play by with the book of Revelation. Uh, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. My family has, um, from time to time, bought a board game. And instead of reading the rules for how to play, we will open it up, set the board up, and just try to start doing it. And it doesn't take long to figure out. We don't know what we're doing. And so, so we have to stop and go back and read the rules because there is a way to play the game. There is a way to play this book. And, and so what we're going to do today is I'm going to give us a series of rules. And here's the deal. I promise you, these rules will come up every week, next 12 weeks. Every week, next 12 weeks, if not one, all of them are going to show up. I promise you. And so I just want to encourage you to do something. Um, and, and it's totally cool today. Um, but I, I know that we're in the habit of maybe using a Bible 
for a phone. Uh, but here's what I want to try. And, and, and listen, man, I'm, I'm in the habit. I preach from an iPad, so my Bible's usually on this. Uh, but uh, I want to challenge you to have a physical Bible in front of you. Okay, so maybe next week you can begin to bring one and just have one here in front of you if you've got it. And if you don't, there are Bibles around you under a seat you can take and have. The reason I would challenge you to do this is for a couple of practical reasons. We are really going to dive into this book. You're going to see it a lot. There's going to be a truckload of verses on the screen. I want you to get familiar, though, if you have a Bible that you read like this one, a physical one, get familiar with it. Bring it to church with you next week so that you can really get familiar with it. Write things down in it just so that you can get in the habit. As we're going over the next 12 weeks, I think one of the beautiful things that might happen is instead of everybody staring forward at me, most of your time is like this, staring at the Bible. I'm talking, but you're looking down at this because we're just digging in here. Okay, so cool today. And it's cool all the time. I mean, you're fine. Use phone, whatever you've got. We literally use whatever you've got. But if you have a physical Bible, man, I want to challenge you to bring it next week. All right, here we go. Rules for the game of Revelation. Here's the first rule. The first rule is that it's called Revelation, not Revelations. This one's totally free. This one's totally free. The book is called Revelation, not Revelations. Like, people will come up to me and they'll say, my favorite book of the Bible, Brother Mark, is Revelations. And I'm like, well, there is no book of the Bible called Revelations. It's Revelation, not Revelations. Just Listen, just like it's not Walmarts, it's Walmart. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You picking up what I'm throwing down this morning? Listen, 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 I'm just going to go bottom shelf. If we get to the end of 12 weeks and we're all saying revelation, I'm going to call it a win. I'm going to call the whole thing a win. Worth the time, all right, what this series took. All right, so here we go. I feel feel like we're already deep in the weeds. You're like, man, we're growing. The Spirit of God is moving in this place today. Here we go. Let's dive in. Let's get serious. Here we go. Rule number one. And if if you're summer Bible study folk, you came to that, you're going to be familiar with this one. All right, here we go. Revelation is written for us, but not to us you got to know these. This is a big deal. Revelation is written for us, but not to us. Here we go, verse 4. Look at it. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. So stop right there. So Revelation is written by the disciple John. Okay, the, the, one of the 12 disciples, John the disciple, same John that wrote the Gospel of John, same John that wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This John, he's going to tell us in verse 9 of chapter 1, we'll read it in a minute. John has been arrested, sentenced to die by himself on an island, deserted island, called Patmos. John is on this island, he's been arrested because of preaching, doing kingdom work. And while John is on this island by himself, the Spirit of God shows up, and the Holy Spirit begins to give John a series of vision, visions and tells John, John, write down the visions that you're having. Write them down and send them to the seven churches in the province of Asia. So what that means for you and me is that we are not the primary audience of the book of Revelation. John, write these down, send them to the seven churches in the province of Asia. We're going to see it next week. Revelation 2 and 3 is where we are next week. And Revelation 2 and 3 are letters to these seven churches. These are real churches. Some of these are still around today. Asia Minor, this would be be modern-day Turkey. These are seven real historic churches, not metaphorical, not, not figurative. These are real churches with real people. People made up these churches. And these people are being severely persecuted. The longer we go in this series, we're going to dive deeper into what kind of persecution they were going through. Odds are really good that these seven churches are being persecuted by the Roman emperors Nero and Domitian. They are dying for their faith. 
These people are suffering some of the worst persecution ever suffered by Christians in the history of Christianity. And John is saying, write these visions down as a letter to these churches. So Revelation is a letter written to bless and encourage these seven churches. Revelation is a letter written to bless and encourage these seven churches in Asia. So when we read the book of Revelation, we can't start with our world. We start with their world. Does that make sense? Somebody say, "Uh uh-huh, if that makes sense. Right? We start with our we start with their world. See, I almost messed up. We start with their world, not our world. And all these rules kind of blend together. So where that takes us then is this that revelation is not primarily about the future. I'll say it again. Revelation is not primarily about the future. Now we think that's all it's about. But it's not. Now here's the deal: there are things in the book of Revelation that are in our future. But remember, it wasn't written to us, it was written for us. What it means that it was written for us is it obviously means that this applies to us, man. We get stuff out of it. We're going to see how in just a second. We're going through this book. We get so, This is for us, but we're not the original audience. So there are things in the future, even in our future, but some of the stuff in the book of Revelation that was quote-unquote future is in our past because it was these seven churches' futures. Does that make sense? Right? So, so it's already happened. And so what that means is that Revelation, well, let, let me, let me, let, let's, uh, let's read verse 9 before we make this statement here. Look at verse 9, chapter 1. Just so you can see this. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Do you see what John is doing there? He says, hey, it's me, John, your brother, your companion, and look at the word, suffering. You're suffering, so am I. You're going through something, so am I. Patient endurance is going to be a big theme in this book. I'm not going to give up on Jesus. Don't you give up on Jesus. John is, trying, John is letting them know this book is written to these churches to encourage these churches. This should be on the screen. Revelation was not written to confuse the church. It was written to reveal things to the church so that it would be encouraged. So so think about this. If the book of Revelation is written to Christians thousands of years ago who are dying for their faith, how encouraging do you think it would be for John to send them a letter saying, hey, listen, I know a lot of you guys, your friends are being kidnapped and killed and horrible things are happening to you, but I wrote this whole letter down so that you could know about things that are going to happen 3,000, 4,000 years from now. A lot of people are going to think they're going to start in 2020 and 2021. And so in three or 4,000 years, guys, it's going to be okay. Does that encourage anybody in the room? Like if you're going through a hard time and I send you a letter saying, listen, in 57 years it's going to be great. That's not going to help you. You're probably going to unfollow me on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Right? No, listen, listen. If John is writing to encourage these Christians right there in the middle of suffering, here's the deal. There is a really good chance that even though this book is confusing to us, they absolutely understood everything he was talking about. Odds are really high this book for the original audience was not some code to figure out. They knew exactly what he was talking about. I love this quote from a guy named Brett Davis. He wrote a phenomenal book about, the, uh, about Revelation called See the Strange. I'd recommend it. He says this, Jesus didn't send a coded puzzle originally meant for comfortable Christians in the 21st century. Jesus sent a stylized letter originally meant for struggling Christians in the 1st century. 
If we cannot imagine the original hearers of Revelation understanding our interpretation of this letter, then our interpretation probably needs to be rethought. See, the leg up that these seven churches had, that honestly I don't have, and that none of us have, is that they are used to stories the way that that the book of Revelation is being told. They're used to hearing stories and, and seeing writings that were written in the style that Revelation is written. So that's the next rule. The third rule that we've got is this one, that Revelation is a specific kind of literature called apocalyptic literature. Revelation is a specific kind of literature called apocalyptic literature. See, here's the way to think about it. Your Bible is 66 books, not one book. And in the Bible, there are different genres of writing. See, my English teacher is loving what I'm doing right now. So in the Bible, there's historical books, there's wisdom literature, there's poetry, it's the book of Psalms, and then there's a segment of the Bible called apocalyptic literature. Revelation is not the only apocalyptic literature in the Bible. Daniel, book of Ezekiel, And the way that apocalyptic literature is written is in a style all of its own. So apocalyptic literature will use images and metaphors to get a point across. Let me show you one right here. Look at verse 12. John says this, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw, look at this, seven golden lampstands. Now what are those? You need to know what that is. Because those seven golden lampstands are going to show up over and over in this book. If you don't know what that is, you're going to to really be confused when that shows up over and over in the next 12 weeks. Well, sometimes John just explains and tells us flat out what something is. Look at verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. We'll talk about that next week. And look at this. And the seven lampstands are the seven what? Churches. So what are the seven golden lampstands? They are the seven what? Churches. They're churches. And every time they show up in the book of Revelation, he's talking about the church or church as. So Revelation is always going to use images and metaphors. Another thing that Revelation or apocalyptic literature will use is it uses numbers a lot, right? Like the number 666. Everybody knows that number. You buy a Mountain Dew and a bag of chips at the store, 666. Ah, you know, freak out. And so, so everybody knows that number. Numbers in apocalyptic literature do not talk about quantity. How many of something is there, right? Numbers in the book of Revelation are talking about quality. What kind of thing is it? So let me show you this. Look at verse 4 there in chapter 1. Let's continue to, let's just read the whole verse there. It should be on the screen, but if you've got your Bible open, you win. John, to the seven churches of the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the, look at this, seven spirits before his throne. And so John is saying, listen, Jesus has given me these visions. This letter is really from Jesus. And John sees Jesus on the throne, and coming from the throne are seven spirits. And it isn't as if John says, oh, look, there's Jesus. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven spirits. I see that right there. That's not what he's doing. See, in apocalyptic literature, the number seven symbolizes perfection, completeness, or wholeness. That will be important when we talk about the number 666 
because the number that corresponds to that is 777. Put that in your pocket. We'll come back in a couple weeks. Perfection, completeness, wholeness, right? So, so what John is saying isn't, oh, I, I saw Jesus and there were seven spirits flying around him. No, what John is saying is I saw Jesus and the fullness of the Spirit was coming from Jesus. The perfection of the Spirit of God dwells in the person of Jesus. Or back to the seven golden lampstands, the church. Not only is this written to seven churches in Asia Minor, seven is the number for perfection. So it's the perfect church worldwide, any place, anywhere. It's the complete body of Christ. So even though this letter is not written to us, it is for us because we are in that number seven. Does that make sense? Right? See, you got to know how this book works. This book is weird to us, but these churches already were familiar with the way this book talks. And so what that means is, number four, here's our fourth rule, that revelation cannot mean for us what it did not mean for them. Let me say that again. Revelation cannot mean for us in 2021, is it 2021? I don't know what day it is. That it didn't mean for the churches of Ephesus, Smyrna, and all of these other seven churches. Man, I got saved when I was a senior in high school. And not long after I got saved, man, I became obsessed with the book of Revelation. Like, a, I mean, obsessed with it. I read books about it. I watched movies about the book of Revelation. There are these series of freaky movies from the 70s called A Thief in the Night. Have you ever seen those? My gosh, I need therapy. The last scene of the whole movie is this girl doesn't get the mark of the beast. They put her on a guillotine. She screams. The blade comes down. The screen goes black, and you literally hear a thud. And I'm like, what in the world just happened? I've been saved for five minutes, and I just need somebody to hold me. That's all I need, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I signed up for? Right? Book of Revelation. I was just obsessed with this book. I used to have this book, though, uh, that was about the Reve book of Revelation. And, and the whole point of the book was to explain what the book was talking about. And there's a section in the book of Revelation, we'll talk about it in, just a, in, in a couple of weeks, where John describes the four living creatures. Have you ever heard of those? And the four living creatures have wings like one thing and face like another thing and, and a body like another thing. And I'll never forget this book that I had said, clearly what John is describing is an Apache helicopter. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but what do you think the odds are of two dudes sitting in the church of Smyrna, hearing this read for the first time, they hear that, and one guy leans over to the other one and says, you know what that sounds like, an Apache helicopter. Isn't that crazy? Or, or how crazy, here you go, see, maybe I'm setting you up, how crazy is it? Two guys sitting in the church of Ephesus, and they hear John talking about the mark of the beast, and one dude looks at the other guy and says, man, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about a vaccine that's going to drop in 3,000 years. It's going to get crazy when that thing hits. It's going to be off the chain when that vaccine comes out, because that vaccine is the mark of the beast. Hey, 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 what do you think the odds are that that church in Smyrna and Ephesus and those seven churches, as soon as they hear John talk about the mark of the beast, they say, I know exactly what that is. I come into contact with it every day, and I will die before I, before I take it. What do you think the odds are that they didn't need YouTube to tell them what the mark of the beast was? Because revelation can't mean for me. What it did, does that make sense? I'm trying to keep you out of crazy town. That's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to be a good pastor and serve you today and love you in Jesus' name. 
All right? Revelation can't mean for us what it didn't mean for them. I got two more. If you want to rank them, these might be the two biggest ones. All right? This will change the way you interact with the book of Revelation. Lean in for the next few minutes. Here we go. Revelation quotes the Old Testament more than any other book. Revelation quotes the Old Testament more than any other book in the New Testament. And watch this. Revelation quotes the Old Testament so many times. Listen to what I'm about to say. That there is nothing in the book of Revelation that is not already in the Bible somewhere. Let me say that one more time because that was a big thing. There is not anything in the book of Revelation that is not already in the Bible somewhere specifically in the Old Testament. So when John doesn't tell us what an image is or what a thing is, and we're like, oh my gosh, what is it? Odds are really high. It's already in the Old Testament. Here, I'll just show it to you right here. Look here, Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 1. It's, uh, let's see, Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. I don't think verse 12 is on the screen. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a, look at this, like a son of man. Do you see that? Son of man, son of man is from Daniel 7. Daniel has a vision, and Daniel sees Jesus, and Daniel in Daniel 7 says, I see somebody like a son of man. All over the book of Revelation, literally, this will happen every week for the next 12 weeks. In every chapter, John will just drop, drop cross-references and links to the Old Testament just like this and won't even tell you he's doing it. Won't even give me a hint that he's pointing me back to the Old Testament. A beautiful thing going to happen in the next 12 weeks is you and I are going to go deeper in the Old Testament. We're going to learn the Old Testament better over this. Now, let's just keep reading. Watch this because this, is, this gets really weird. He sees Jesus. Listen to how he describes Jesus. And among the lampstands was one like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. That makes no sense. Every single bit of that is a reference to somewhere in the Old Testament. One of the things we're doing in this series is every week I'm putting out a study guide for the sermon we're going to talk about in the upcoming Sunday. You can find it in the app. You can find it on our website online. And one of the things I'm doing in that study guide is I am taking things like this and giving you every Old Testament reference so you can see it. We don't have time to do it on a Sunday morning. But if you get this week's study guide, it's out right now. If you got the app right on your phone, you can look at it. If you get this week's study guide, I take every single one of those and show you where John got the golden sash, the hair is white, the 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 feet that shine like blazing fire of bronze. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fourth man in the fire, is where he's getting that out of the book of Daniel. All right, all of this is Old Testament. Over and over in chapter 1 and all through the, the, the whole book of Revelations, it will say that Jesus' voice sounds like a trumpet. What do you think the odds are that the man literally sounds like a trumpet? Like literally a trumpet. Like what do you think the odds are that Jesus, when he talks, literally sounds like a trumpet? None. So why a trumpet? It's a callback to Exodus 19 because when God speaks to his people from Mount Sinai, it says that the voice of God sounded like a trumpet. Just, just constantly throwing you back to this. See, none of this makes sense. The reason, one of the reasons we struggle with Revelation is because we don't know the Old Testament like John does. And like these seven churches, they didn't have the New Testament. This is all that they had. 
So, that, man, they just dripped with the Old Testament. John's mind is soaked with Old Testament imagination where he's just able to throw this stuff in without even skipping a beat. And so the Old Testament is all over the book of Revelation. Here's the last one, number six. This will let, let this one marinate on you, and here we go, and we're done. We'll wrap it up. Last rule we need to see is that Revelation is not about the end of the world. Revelation is not about the end of the world. Look at verse 1. Verse 1, chapter 1. The revelation of or from Jesus Christ. The, the word revelation there in Greek is the word apocalypsis. I think I've got what it looks like in Greek. There it is. That's the Greek word right there. Apocalypsis is what that word says. So when I say apocalypsis, you can tell from that we get our English word what? Apocalypse. Apocalypse. If you look up the word apocalypse in an English dictionary, here's the definition of apocalypse in, your, in our dictionary. It means the complete and final destruction of the world as described in the biblical book of Revelation. But here's the problem. In the Bible, apocalypse never means the end of anything. In the Bible, apocalypse never means destruction Apocalypse never has to do with the end of the world. In the Bible, the word apocalypse means to reveal something that was hidden or covered up. That's what it means. Revelation, apocalypse, means to reveal something, to make something plain that we'd never seen before. Here's the deal. Look at this. If Revelation was about the end of the world, then why does it end with the beginning of the world? Why does Revelation end? If it's about the end of the world, God's going to set it all on fire and destroy it all. Well, then why does it end with Jesus making all things new? It doesn't end with the end. It ends with the beginning. Because an apocalypse is a revelation. God is showing me something I'd never seen before. This is all over the Bible. In the Old Testament, Noah gets off the ark, gets drunk, goes into a tent, Strips naked, and the Hebrew word that it uses for it is apocalypse. And it had to have been horrifying. Must have been the scariest thing anybody had ever seen in their life when that dude took his clothes off, right? It was an apocalypse that we didn't need. <laughs> hey, when Saul or Paul, see, I'm trying to keep you in. When Saul or Paul meets Jesus for the first time in Acts chapter 9, when Paul gets saved, the word that Luke uses to describe the scales falling off of Paul's eyes is apocalypsis. It was an apocalypse for, the Paul, for Paul. It was an apocalypse when he saw Jesus. In the Bible, an apocalypse is when you take a rock and you lift it up and all of a sudden you see there's all kinds of stuff under there you didn't know was there, right? Literally, that's an apocalypse. It's, I didn't know that was there, but it was there the whole time. Listen to me. God is revealing something to you in this book. God wants to show you something that's been there the whole time in this book. What is God revealing in, in the book of Revelation? Well, the first thing that God is revealing in the book of Revelation is God is revealing Jesus in Revelation. Look at verse 13 and 16. After John sees Jesus, just white hair and a sword coming out of his mouth. Look at verse, uh, well, look at verse uh, 17 there. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. John is so filled with awe in the person of Jesus. He's so filled with worship. He just falls down in the presence of Jesus. And then Jesus places his right hand on John and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. 
See, one of the reasons we're going through this book is because the church needs an apocalypse of Jesus. Listen to me. When the world looks at the church, do they see people who have been so rooted and grounded in the love of God that in the middle of a chaotic world, there are people who are at peace because they belong to Jesus? Does the world see that when they look at the church? And if not, why not? Have we not seen him? Is he a different Jesus than the one that John had? Listen, if the world looks at the church and doesn't see a reflection of Jesus, then the only answer we can give is that the church, not the world, the church needs an apocalypse of Jesus. We need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. But not only is God revealing Jesus, God is revealing the world. The world is being revealed in this book. Listen to me. Revelation is not primarily about the future. Revelation is mainly about reality. This is the way things really are. Behind what you see is something happening that you don't see. And here's the deal. If you think that the way that the world works is just based on what you see, and you don't see what's behind what you see, you will be deceived. Amen? If you don't see what's behind what you see, you will be deceived. There is a chance you already are. Let me give you an example, and let's just get controversial this morning because it's all over this book and talk politics. You're supposed to talk about politics in church. That's a joke. You're never supposed to talk about politics in church. But you can't help it in the book of Revelation. Here's why. Because politics, Revelation knew this before anybody knew it. Politics for a lot of people is not politics. It is the new religion. I was listening to NPR a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about all of the people who have abandoned church. You know, most people, more people don't go to church than people who do go to church now. And the people who have dropped out of church have not abandoned their belief in God. They have walked away from the church, though, because when they look at the church, they do not see the person of Jesus. That's why we need an apocalypse. And so what what a lot of people have done is they have taken their spirituality, and they are trying to find it in other communities rather than the church. Top one, politics. Politics. People are finding identity, purpose, meaning, belonging, hope, ultimate allegiance in politics. And this book is going to tell you and I that it doesn't matter if you are on the right and the left behind so, or the left. Behind so much earthly political power is a beast who wants to destroy you. This is why at the center of the book of Revelation is not a donkey or an elephant. It is a lamb that was slain. And you're going to see him next week. But if you don't see it now, the odds are good. You have already been deceived. And so this book is a gift from God to wake us up. Amen? Man, but not only is Jesus in the world being revealed, I'm being revealed. God is revealing me. God is revealing us. We are being revealed in this book. Here, we're done. Hang with me for just a second. Biblically, biblically, COVID is an apocalypse. Because things have been revealed about the world that were always there. They were not born last year. They have always been under the surface. But God has stripped the band-aid off, lifted up the rock, and says, listen, do you think this is ugly? Me too, and you need to see it. 
Because you can't be changed until you deal with reality. And so God will show us what is there. And we are being revealed. The election of 2020 and what came as a result and the division in the world and the division in the church is an apocalypse. Divisions over masks and vaccines is an apocalypse. And listen, unity in the church doesn't mean uniformity. Everybody's going to have different opinions. You can have different opinions about the vaccines. You can have different opinions about masks. I hope to God that there are people who voted for Trump and Biden in this church. All right? Doesn't mean uniformity. But if I consider you my enemy because you have different beliefs than I do, then I am not walking in the way of Jesus. Does that make sense? This is bottom shelf. Bottom shelf. If you don't like it, meet me at the Welcome Center, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. But, but it's just true. I was talking to a Christian counselor a couple of weeks ago. This guy's in Florida, and he was telling me that when the Delta variant started to rise again, there was a pastor that he's been working with, and he never told me who it was. It wasn't local, the guy's in Florida. But when the Delta variant really started to rise, cases started to go up. This guy, this pastor, got a phone call from somebody in his church and this person in their church said, listen, if you put a mask mandate saying that people need to start wearing masks at church on Sunday, they would harm that pastor or his family. What is that? It's satanic, number one. And number two, it's an apocalypse. Ultimate allegiances are being revealed. Your hope, my hope, is being revealed. Not just me, the church is being revealed. I see people every single week. Oh, we're living in the end times. Oh, we're seeing the book of Revelation play out right in front of our eyes. Jesus is coming back in five minutes. And listen, I'm not going to disagree with any of that. But if that's all true, and I would think a lot of it is, if that's true that we're living in the end times, then what kind of people are we supposed to be in the end times? If you think that Jesus is coming back next week and the only way that impacts your life is you go home and you reinforce your bunker, Man, Jesus Christ has a better plan for your life. Hey, listen, if you think we're living in the last days and that causes you to go to Walmart and buy up all the toilet paper, I ain't talking about you. <laughs> but it ain't even on your radar to serve and love your neighbor. That is an apocalypse. That is an apocalypse. And the only solution is a revelation, apocalypse of Jesus Christ. And so today as we come to the Lord's table, that's our prayer. Our prayer as we begin this series is that God would give our church a fresh apocalypse of Jesus. That's what I need. That's what you need. Our prayer today as we take the Lord's Supper is that Jesus Christ would open up our eyes, strip the band-aid off, reveal us for who we are, that we would have a fresh encounter, a fresh revelation of who he is. God, give us an apocalypse of Jesus. So what did God say to you and what will you do about it? From what we just talked about, what you just heard. Our goal for this Revelation series isn't to be 12 sermons. If it's 12 sermons and that's it, um, it may be fine. But some of, listen, that's not good enough. Let's have a deeper goal. Let's Let's genuinely have hearts that pray, God, give us an apocalypse of Jesus. 
And so we are trying to just give some resources to the church to help us to go deeper in this series. I know Revelation can be uh, honestly an intimidating book. It's an intimidating book to preach through. And so, um, cause there's a lot there. So what we're doing is we've got several places where you can get some resources. One of the biggest resources we're putting out are weekly study guides. The study guides are to help you get ready for what's coming up in the upcoming Sunday. And so when it comes out, it'll be for the Sunday that's ahead of us. Um, but in that is you just get more content in the study guides than you will in the sermons. Um, a lot of the old Testament connections, we're trying to specifically put those in there so that you can see those callbacks. Just how John is just dripping, just the Old Testament, man, it's just throughout there, just throughout the book of Revelation. And so the study guides, check out the study guides. You can find those in this in the Revelation section of the app. You can find them on social media. Go to our website, click resources, you'll see a revelation page. And also on this podcast, we're gonna have some different revelation episodes. Hopefully episodes where we answer your questions and just talk about in-depth. Um, things with Revelation, maybe things that we're not able to talk about more on a Sunday, and this podcast just gives us an opportunity to do that. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. So download the app, get the resources, and those resources like the study guide, they're on social media and all that as well. Um, Download the app, subscribe to the podcast, and read through the book of Revelation for yourself. Read through it on your own, you know, maybe like a chapter a day, and just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and watch what Holy Spirit loves to take his word and apply it to his people. So watch what happens. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. Be back next week. Part two, Revelation, the beginning of all things.